We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at LourdesDenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Well, happy Sunday. This is, uh, I guess, the soccer crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, praise God. It's mean, great. Football. There's, there's YouTube, right? You can kind of catch up if you need to. Uh, it's a beautiful day, the day of the presentation. It's somewhere around after uh, 40 days after Christmas when we uh, remember that the Jews bring their firstborn son to the temple to be, to be offered to the Lord, to be circumcised. And uh, a new mother comes to the, to the temple to um, receive her purification, a ritual purification. And at this moment, um, it wasn't only Mary and Joseph who show up, but God brings in all of these other characters so that there's this powerful moment for them, an unexpected moment where um, Simeon and Anna have the grace of encountering Jesus. And then Mary and Joseph are surprised with this, uh, this prophecy from, from Simeon. A, a moment where he, he rejoices because God has provided the great king. This is the one that everyone has been waiting for. This is the one who God, in his grace, told Simeon that he would, um, he would not die until he sees this Messiah of Israel. This one who hoped, who prayed, the righteous one, devout. And Anna, who had been waiting for the same, for the consolation of Jerusalem, the city of peace, that peace would come to this place that had not seen peace in a very long time. So it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful moment that we celebrate. Um, it's uh, just a festive time, but it's spoiled a bit. Did you catch this part where um, this prophet Simeon says to, about Jesus that he is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and a sign that will be contradicted. He gives him a sense that this, this child is destined for his death. A death that's going to come prematurely, a death that's going to be painful and confusing. A, a, a person whose very presence is going to divide people and set them off, make them frustrated. Um, yeah. And then he tells Mary, and a sword shall pierce your heart. Um, this is a rather sad moment at a moment of victory. Um, it's a kind of a sadness that only, only a, the, the one who is close to Jesus, who's heart is overwhelmed by joy in the presence of the king, in the glory of the presence of the king, that can accept to be aware of this kind of um, difficult prophecy, that there's suffering, that there's pain that could go with this, you know, to be close to this one. For Mary, this is going to mean a great deal of suffering. It's going to mean a great deal of suffering through her life. Um, she's going to watch her son endure terrible things. And she kind of knows that. She doesn't know exactly what to expect at this point. Um, 
but it's a moment of challenge to her, where she's challenged to make her fiat again, be it done to me according to your word. This is the same kind of gift of herself that was invited by the angel. Will you help God by being the mother of God? This one is destined to be the king. Now we hear this one is destined to frustrate people and is destined for death. There's an invitation here. Will you follow? And of course, Mary does. You know, Mary accepts the suffering in seed form here, but she knows. She knows what's coming. Um, she knows the terror of life and the possibilities of the, of the darkness. Okay, Mary becomes a model for us um, through this moment. And this is kind of the first of several moments where Mary becomes a model of compassion to us. I've been preaching about how the, uh, in ordinary time, the church starts us off with lessons on how to become compassionate, how to grow as disciples. Um, that means how to grow in compassion. And we looked first at, um, I do every other Mass, so I kind of have to give the, the uh, synopsis here. Um, the, at first, we're given the, the um, direction of John the Baptist, who reminds us of our baptism. He points to the baptism and says, you share baptism with this guy, with Jesus, with God, who has humbled himself for our salvation. And through the waters of the baptism, we have died with Christ and we live with Christ. A whole new life, a life that that can't can't be taken away, a, a supernatural life that can't be changed. We live by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us forever. And that spirit is so much so much stronger, so much more mysterious, so much greater than we can even imagine. God is carrying us. We become children of God. And in that, that moment of baptism, we are promised eternal life because we live with Jesus. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to be overwhelmed by my sin, my weakness. You know, um, I'm too, I don't know, I'm too bad, I'm too broken. You know, I'm not... I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing enough. All that doesn't really matter when it comes to this promise of eternal life. I've, I've given you this hope and, and, and grounded you in this hope that nothing can separate us from. Um, and that's where we're supposed to rest as disciples. We're supposed to be grounded in that hope, in that glory, that joy of being children of God and being promised the kingdom, being promised life forever with nothing to fear, nothing to fear. Okay, John the Baptist points to our baptism and he reminds us. Um, last week, we followed Jesus to Capernaum into this dark valley of Galilee um, where he looks upon the disciples when he calls, he calls them, Peter and Andrew, James and John. Scripture tells us that he looks upon them, that they are seen by this one who then gives them light. That in the dark place, um, these are the ones, the ones who open themselves to be seen by Jesus, who present themselves, are the ones that are saved. And as disciples, we learn from this as kind of a second step. Grounded in the confidence of baptism, we have the courage to say, here I am, Lord, in all my darkness, in all my weakness, in all my fears, 
and to present ourselves <clears throat> to the Lord. And that's an essential part of our prayer life. We say, I, we, we know that we have to be humbled, that we have to humble ourselves. And this is, it's the school of compassion. It's in our suffering that we can suffer with other people. It saves us from the position of being so strong that we expect too much of other people. We can't bear with their weakness. We're uh, afraid of weakness. Um, we can't sympathize. Compassion means to suffer with. So we have to recognize our own suffering, and it's there. You know, Even people whose lives are very successful, who have lots of comforts, everybody has suffering. If they're honest, they'll admit it. You know? And that's the opportunity to be saved. That's the opportunity to be with Jesus, to receive grace. And then to be with others, to be compassionate. Now we learn from Our Lady, we watch her do something that's very incredible, that is to accept suffering. You know? Not just admit, okay, here's the circumstances of my life. I grew up without a mother or father. Or I was traumatized by this thing in my past. Or I can't beat this sin. Or I have this weakness of, I have this frailty. You know? I suffer something. Um, in this case, this is, the world is suffering around us. It's very painful. Can you accept this? It's very hard to accept suffering. We want to run from it naturally. But there's something um, so strange and inviting about the Christian life, uh, about the mystery of our faith, that the one that we follow, the one who teaches us how to be a disciple, the one who we imitate in our discipleship, is this one who is glorified in his suffering. That's our king. That's the one we serve. And he can transform our lives. He can take the suffering and make it a means of compassion, of great compassion. He transforms us. So in this, at this third stage, we're kind of aware of ourselves. We're humbled, but we're grounded in the deeper promise of God so we don't lose, we don't lose hope. We're not threatened by um, the reality of our darkness. Here we accept suffering and, uh, and develop compassion with Our Lady. And it transforms our prayer. This is how it works. It it's going to take your prayer from where we start. That is, if you think of the 80-20 principle. I like the 80-20 principle. Um, most of us start, and I can kind of be there on a regular basis, but spending 80% of my prayer praying for myself. You know? And then the 20%, if I kind of get out of that, um, or if there's some really pressing concerns around me, then I pray for you know, people that I love, you know, other people who are close. Um, the saints, which I don't think we have to expect ourselves to be today, but we're in the school of growing in compassion. Their prayer has been transformed to, to um, the opposite, you know? Just a little bit of concern, enough concern for ourselves that we respect ourselves, we trust Jesus, we continue to rely on grace and, and cry out for his help. But really, our lives and our prayer lives become a service to others. You know? That's Mary's place. That's why Mary accepts the suffering, and she teaches us how to, how to pray. You know, the church is the voice of Our Lady. We talk about Mother Church. It's the voice of Our Lady. 
We are the ones who are entrusted with prayer for the world. With Mary, we look out on the world and we see the suffering of the world and we serve by praying for people. We can do that. We, We can actually help. God has given us the power, the Holy Spirit, the strength and the call, the invitation, the mission to help the world through our prayers. And we, we turn today to Our Lady to teach us. Okay, so this is what's called the first of um, seven sorrows of Our Lady. Do you know about the seven sorrows of Our Lady? Yeah, some, uh, some do, some don't. It's, it's one of these ironic kind of devotions that is probably going to feel threatening and very strange at first. And then you're going to find it's extraordinarily beautiful and cathartic. It's like the Stations of the Cross. You ever made those stations and been really moved? There's a lot of people who really don't like the idea of the stations. But when they've made the stations, their heart melts, you know, forms us in compassion. And here we have an opportunity with the seven sorrows of, of Our Lady. I invite you to pray these in, um, in the future. But we're going to pray them tonight as a sort of litany for, um, for the world. You know, a litany of compassion, praying for people. Um, but praying for people through the eyes of Mary. This is the beauty of this kind of a devotion. That it gives us a lens. It gives us a topic to kind of circulate around, to orbit around, and to pray for, um, to see with the eyes of Mary all the different sufferings in the world. So I've compiled something of a list of them, and I just want to go through and pray for these various um, causes, causes that... God looks upon and wants us um, to do something about. Causes that are too big for us to do anything about. That's part of the humilities. You have to say, I can't do much for, I can't do much to change the suffering in the world. Uh, And then to recognize that God can do much in us. He's given us the power. Remember Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, even for a mountain to be thrown into the sea, then I'll do it. It's the kind of invitation we have. Okay, so I'm going to run through these seven sorrows and a list of prayers. And I just invite you um, to unite your heart with those particular prayers that stand out. Notice those as something that you can, you can keep with you to pray for uh, throughout this week. And, and then just know that this is a kind of prayer that we can make very regularly as a gift to other people. You know? We should be trying to serve three, four times a week, you know, serving out in the community. You should be volunteering. Uh, not all of us have time to do that. Um, one beautiful way of service is to block out a time, half an hour, I'm going to intercede for the world. Well, it's a great means of service. Okay, so the first of the seven sorrows is the prophecy of Simeon. That's what we read today that a sword shall pierce her heart because she's going to love this one who has to suffer. Let us pray for all parents of children who have disabilities. Let us pray for all parents of children who suffer illnesses. Let us pray for all parents of children 
or all parents who fear for their children's safety. The second sorrow of Mary is the flight into Egypt. Let us pray for all those displaced by persecution and war. Let us pray for the unemployed. Let us pray for immigrants, especially immigrant families. Let us pray for all the homeless. The third sorrow of Our Lady is the loss of the child Jesus in the temple. Let us pray for all victims of human trafficking. Let us pray for all foster children and foster parents. Let us pray for all those who feel estranged from parents or from family. The fourth sorrow of Our Lady is the meeting of Jesus and Mary on the way of the cross. Let us pray for all those who suffer physical ailments and afflictions. Let us pray for all caregivers and those who work with the suffering. Let us pray for all of those who suffer with the sense that no one loves them. Let us pray for all traumatized by war and violence. Let us pray for all victims of domestic abuse. The fifth sorrow of Mary is the crucifixion. Let us pray for those who are all, all those who are falsely accused. Let us pray for all of those who face capital punishment. The sixth sorrow of Mary is the taking down of the body of Jesus from the cross. Let us pray for all parents who have lost their children by miscarriage. Let us pray for all children who have died by abortion. 
Let us pray for all of those who die with no one to bury them. The seventh sorrow is the burial of Jesus. Let us pray for those who have recently suffered the death of a loved one. Let us pray for those who live without hope of eternal life. Let us pray for all of those who live in confusion and fear. Good and loving Father, we offer you all of these prayers <clears throat> with confidence that you, with confidence in the name of Jesus and confidence in the intercession of Our Lady. Lord, we care about the world. We know how much you care about the world. Lord, look upon our suffering with mercy. We thank you for hearing our prayer and answering our prayers. We know that you have... You have come to save us. You've come to save us from, from death and from pain and from suffering. And we trust that eventually that will be done throughout the world, Lord. We take up our mission uh, to intercede on behalf of the world. We accept our suffering as a means of compassion, as a way of staying with the world, as a way of keeping our eyes open to uh, the suffering of those around us. Lord, we ask you, ask you for the grace to help us to serve, to help us um, to pray, to intercede on behalf of others. We thank you for the great gift of your resurrection and the hope that it gives us and to many. Lord, we thank you for your victory over sin and death and darkness. We thank you uh, for your presence in our lives. Lord, that we might rejoice with Simeon and Anna, because we have found you. We thank you for the great gift of yourself in the Eucharist. Lord, the presence of our King that we hold in our hands and we hold in our hearts.